Welcome to a form of acknowledgement, homilies, teachings, and reflections with Father Jeremiah Volman, an Orthodox Christian priest, exploring the theanthropic life, the intersection between the created and the uncreated, the human and the divine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is in our Thank you. Thank you for that affirmation. And thank you for coming together on this beautiful day. This beautiful day, there's so much, there's more than we can say in one day. Do you guys have all day? <laughs> you know I would, <laughs> but I won't. Oh. I have all day, my family's out of town, so. The beautiful epistle reading, the beautiful epistle reading all about knowing that your body, your body, your body, which is a part of who you are, not separate from what you are, not the grave clothes or the trap that you're stuck in, but who you are, your body, created by God to be a temple of His Holy Spirit. What a beautiful, what a beautiful proclamation the Holy Apostle Paul gives us. We feel heavy laden and so limited sometimes. And then he reminds us, God gave you that body. Be in it. Love in it. Worship in it. Let it become a vessel for working out the good works of God. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit within you, whom you've received from God, and that you're not your own. You were brought, bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's why we come together in the flesh. <laughs> That's why live streaming isn't enough. It's okay. It's helpful to some extent, but we need to be together in the body and to receive the body and blood of Christ. Do you not know that you are not your own? That's part of what I want to talk about today. That's a big part of what I want to talk about. I also want to talk about how passive we can be at times with regard to our salvation and with regard to the faculties that God has given us. I was listening to the awesome hymns that were being sung this morning. Having risen from the grave and having burst the bonds of Hades, thou didst loose the condemnation of death, releasing all mankind from the snares of the enemy. That's awesome, isn't it? It's not like, and it is from the enemy. You know what I mean? It's like, like we do sometimes. I remember when I was a kid at a youth camp, it really struck me. How passive we are to what it is that, that's, that's going on around us all the time. And we, we don't even think about it. Someone said, pay attention to what you're listening to. He says, 
a Beach Boys song comes on the radio. You're like, yeah, I like the Beach Boys. And then you hear a line like, two girls for every boy. And then you go on as if it, nothing happened. It's like, wait, no, not two girls for every boy. What are you talking about? Pay attention, you know, but weird. Like one man for every woman and one woman for every man. Two girls for every boy. But we just kind of, we're, we're so passive sometimes. And I, I'm afraid that we do that when we approach even the hymns of the church sometimes, which are inspired by the grace of the Holy Spirit. Inspired. And they're meant to teach us, they're meant to, meant to educate us. They're meant to fertilize the soil of our hearts so that the seed of God's word can be planted and grow into something beautiful. Something so beautiful. And the living word of God, the inspiration of God through written words revealed to us again today in the beautiful, challenging gospel reading. It was hard to read it. You know, the, the prodigal son in today's reading, he questioned his worthiness to return to the Father. I felt like I was questioning my worthiness to proclaim the, the love of such a compassionate God. Reading those blessed words. I have to ask your forgiveness. Yesterday, I, or last Sunday, I said that the Sunday of the publican and the Pharisee was one of three Sundays of preparation for Lent. And I accidentally truncated. I think I wanted Lent to come a little faster. I need that season of repentance. But it's one of four. There are four Sundays of preparation. The Sunday of the publican and the Pharisee. The Sunday of the prodigal son, which we celebrate today. Sunday of the last judgment. Anyone want to preach next Sunday? <laughs> Sunday of the last judgment next Sunday. And then Forgiveness Sunday, which is the, represents the day right before the eve leading into the beginning of Great Lent. Forgiveness Sunday, also known as uh, the, we commemorate the expulsion of Adam and Eve from paradise on that day. Today you heard the parable of the prodigal son and you probably know it well, the loving father. We also refer to it as this, the parable of the compassionate father, the parable of the prodigal son. It could also be called the parable of the elder brother. We call it the par parable of the prodigal, but really the central character is the father, because the father represents our compassionate God who loves us, whom we have left, and to whom we need to return. The whole story of humanity is summed up in that parable, the story of our salvation. He leaves his father's house, and that is a metaphor for the human condition. He departed from his father's house, which represents the kingdom of God. And you know, on earth, the church is, I like to call it the sacrament of the kingdom of God. The father see that in leaving the house, his father's house, he left the presence of God and therefore the kingdom of God. 
the, the patristic, the church fathers commenting also say that that going out was leaving his self, his own identity, going out from his own heart, his place of dwelling. Remember the words of our beautiful Savior, which, he, which we cling to so often. He says, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of, of God is within you, and therefore... To depart from the Father's house is to depart from one's own true identity. The question that we always ask on this Sunday is, who do I identify with? I've often said that a parable is a mirror for us to look into. When we look into that mirror, where do we see ourselves? Most often we do not identify with that perfectly compassionate Father. Do I identify with the younger son, the prodigal, wayward, wandering, squandering what we have, worried that we will somehow run out of what we have and be left destitute? Do, I, do we identify with the older son, the ungrateful one, having everything but being blind to it? The ungrateful have no possessions, truly. Those who are ungrateful, they possess nothing, but they live a life of being Possessed and dominated by insatiable desires. Remember that teaching from, I don't know who it's from, when you buy something, it buys you. Oof. Why are these desires insatiable? When we pursue, when we seek meaning, in earthly things, why do I, the more I have, the less I feel like I have at times. Because if I fail to see that all is from God, even from the smallest thing to the greatest, then I will constantly be governed by fear and insecurity, by fear of loss and by lack of control. But if I see that everything in my possession is a gift from God, then I will be constantly humbled and grateful. Every little thing as a gift from God. This again is the, dif the difference between living a, a consumeristic and a Eucharistic life. And ultimately being driven to possess, we want to be possessed like of ourselves somehow. To be my own person, we often say, I want to be my own person. But we cannot be. We're created to be possessed of the Father as both sons in today's parable. What were they? What were those sons? We refer to them as sons, sons of the Father. Begotten of Him and Him alone. They got their life from Him, their name, their identity. Both in the parable had to come to this terrible and wonderful realization. This Identity crisis, again, of which St. Paul spoke in the epistle reading. I'm not my own. I'm not my own. I am a son of my Father. All that I have, all that I am is of Him. When realizing I am His, then comes the beautiful realization that likewise, He is mine. 
From this is born the greatest sense of freedom and belonging. I'm not self-sourced. I cannot be. I don't have to be. God has given me this life that I live. When I admit it, I become His, and then He becomes mine as well. For the brothers, this also means that they belonged to one another. We not only called them sons, but brothers. Brothers. They have a relational identity. Co-belonging to the Father makes them members of one another. To belong to the Father, to be of Him, is what's most natural. Then why is it so hard to return to Him? Because it requires a lot of humility. It requires a lot of humility. A truly contrite heart. To trust that no matter where I wander, I will not find that really can't be found, but just must be accepted, that must be admitted. That this life that we have is actually hidden with Christ in God. It can't be found in the world. The admitting of one's identity is the beginning of faith. For the younger son, he says, I will return home. For the older son, hopefully realizing, I am home. And all things are mine because my father loves me. And this is the place of no lack. And this is the place of no want. When you're in the presence of someone you love, are you concerned with the additional details when you're together? What's everything around you and the circumstances, they become far less important. When you're truly together, knowing that you love one another. To come to these realizations requires great humility, though. To look up as those with such shame on the one hand and as those with such pride on the other hand. To look up into the eyes of the one who will not look away, but will rather run out to meet. It would have been considered scandalous for a wealthy landowner to run out onto the road to meet someone. They come to me, I don't go to them. People reading this in its original context would have understood, or hearing this parable, they would have been, that's a crazy kind of love. Yeah, it is, because it's not a worldly kind. It's a heavenly kind. It's an eternal kind. How vulnerable must we become to accept the embrace? We must become like, like children. Like children of a father. A true father. I'm reminded of the simple words of St. Augustine. Probably some of his most famous words, which reflect so succinctly the message of today's parable. Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord. Thou hast made us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. And one other, one other thought that's also a bit frightening to me, but a, but a possibility is this. I think we often ask if we identify with the prodigal son. And if we challenge ourselves, we all answer that indeed I am the prodigal son in the parable, needing to return to my father, to the church, and to the place of the heart, 
And some of us can indeed also see in ourselves the jealousy and the complacency and the ingratitude of the older brother. But part of me wonders if there's a third category for us these days. I wonder if in this age we fail to identify with either. Hearing the story as a kind of a spectator. Passively. Watching as at a distance. Seeing one more. One more among the millions of spectacles, constantly demanding of our senses, but demanding no change. Or maybe just demanding increased passivity. Oh, good story. What's on next? That's the scary one to me right now, I think. That's worth contemplating. But if we are the prodigal, or if we are the older brother, or the spectator. Though the problem varies, the solution is the same. To return to the Father's house. To return to His loving embrace. If you are the spectator, stand up. We say it over and over again in the services. Wisdom, stand upright. Something is going to happen. What we do here, what we do here informs how we live our life. Stand upright. Be attentive to what God is doing. What He has to say. Stand aright. Stand before the living God. And submit to the reality that you are not apart from this story. You're not just an observer like someone watching a movie, but you're within it. I am the prodigal. And I am the older brother alike. I am in need of my father, of his house, his church, his, the sacrament of his kingdom on earth. With my brethren, my brothers and sisters in him, we are members of him. And therefore we're members of one another in the flesh. Here and now we must be. And we must live according to the implications of this awesome reality. All I need to stand aright and be attentive to draw near to Christ. If we hunger for food and drink, if we can perceive of such desire for temporal satisfaction, I guarantee you that all the more the soul thirsts and hungers, the soul truly thirsts and hungers for encounter with God. If you are the prodigal like me, and I think we all are, then this word from Vespers last night is for us. Again, listen to the words. Hear the words. Let the words minister to you. I have been entrusted with a verdant and faultless region, but I planted evil in its soil and have reaped its ears, the ears of evil, with the scythe of laziness. And I gathered my deeds into sheaves but place them not on the, th the threshing floor of repentance. Wherefore I ask thee, O divine husbandsman, to winnow the straw of my deeds with the breeze of thy compassionate love, and fill my soul with the wheat of forgiveness. Store me in thy heavenly storehouse, and save me. Can you believe we have the privilege of singing such things? And being informed by them. So wonderful, but fearful, truly awesome. Fearful. 
It calls me forth from my laziness and complacency to stand aright and to beg of God to breathe his breath back in me and blow away the chaff of my sins with his compassionate love. And if you're the older brother like me, suspicious of the other and ungrateful, then I have a, a totally, truly blessed word to share with you. One of my favorite quotations that I found from this last year. So awesome. I think it's for all of us. It's a teaching of Elder Epiphanios of Athens. He says, my heart only has entrances. My heart only has entrances. It does not have exits. Whoever enters remains there. Whatever he may do, I love him the same as I loved him when he first entered into my heart. I pray for him and seek his salvation. There's no room for judgment. There's no room for disdain or criticism when you see that your life is as a, as a heart given to you by God, ever enlarging, in which there is room for everyone you encounter, because everyone you encounter, even your brother, belongs there. My heart only has entrances, it does not have exits. When you give into that reality, you receive every encounter with every person as a gift from God. And you realize that everyone sent to you by God belongs there. You cannot disdain. You can only think. Beloved in Christ, we are loved by God. We are wanted by Him. We are invited to His household where the greatest meal of all is served. The greatest meal, the greatest banquet, the Holy Supper. Where any other gift or food is an afterthought, but the greatest satisfaction is born from being loved by Him and humbly admitting it. I am not my own. And what a great freedom comes from saying so. Try it out this week. Try it out. Anytime you feel threatened or insecure, I'm not my own. Try it out, I dare you. Your burden will be a little lighter when I see you next time. I am not my own. We bow before God, even in our, on our knees, crying out, I am thine. Save me, as the psalmist says. I am thine. Save me. Our contrition is coupled with joy. And likewise, with tears of joy, we look at one another as if in awe. I am of Christ, are you too? What a glory we share. We can look at one another without looking away and see the love of God, even the love of God in one another, when we admit to one another, I am God's, yes. This means that I am yours as well. Whenever you see another person, kind of like my daughter used to say when she was little, never met someone, she said, that's my friend over there. That's my friend. Have you met her yet? No, not yet. As Christians, I want you to see everyone when you encounter someone. When you see them, I want you to tell yourself, there I see someone I love. Like my little daughter used to say, it's my friend, it's my friend. When you see someone, I want you to see that is someone I love.
Can you see how perfect the love of God is and what it does to the person who gives into it? What a perfect family, not a society or an institution or a nonprofit organization or, or anything else, but what a perfect family the church is with God as a father. Dear ones in Christ, let us constantly return to Him. Arise from your want, from your laziness, from your jealousy, from whatever, whatever passion you want to list out. Arise from it. We can stand up from it. Return from Him, His wisdom. When we arise from the passions, we turn to something much more beautiful and beneficial to us. We arise from them as that prodigal son sitting in the mud. Realizing all I need to do is get up and go. Return to Him His wisdom, His teaching, His church, His sacraments, His breath, His embrace. And find that by doing so, we are constantly finding one another as well. This is our home, beloved. A place of truth. A place of forgiveness. And a place of love. Let us love one another. Amen.